0: This is North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a return to our series on the Gospel of John. We'll be picking it up with part 13, beginning in John chapter 5. The title of today's message is, Do You Want to Be Healed? Today we're going to be looking at a miracle that Jesus performed, healing a paraplegic man at the pool of Bethesda. And also with the penetrating question that Jesus asked to kick off the miracle. Do you want to be healed? Hey, just a reminder that next week our services are going to be moving to the Bogofalia Park, which is three blocks down from the church. We've got a pavilion rented out there. We're doing a church picnic, potluck. Bring some food for yourself and some friends. We're going to start off with some worship at 1045 and then just hang out and enjoy a beautiful spring day. So, hope to see you there. Let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Isn't it great to be weak? (laughs) I, uh, I got to tell you this morning when I woke up five o'clock this morning, I was feeling awful weak, uh, after, uh. (laughs) <laughs> a long, long day yesterday. And, uh, but, uh, I, I love that Christianity is about not our strengths, but, but our weakness, you know, that, that God, we serve a God who says my strength is made perfect in weakness. And, uh, that, that's, that's liberating to know, like you, you ain't got to have it all together. You just show up with whatever you got. And, uh, and, and, uh. God will take care of the rest. Life with His grace is a lot better, by the way. Um, his His strength. <laughs> All right, that's not the message, but um, <laughs> it's a message. <laughs> uh, I just I, I get I get aggravated with a, a certain type of Christian religion that. Seems to make it look like you got to have everything all together. You got to look all, like like when you show up, it's like everything's got to be perfect, and 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 that that's not the truth. And and God wants wants people to be free from that. Uh, he 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 likes broken, messed up people. That's his favorite. So thank God, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is all there is some people just ain't got that figured out yet <laughs> you can kind of try to dress it up all you want but uh, <laughs> just a dressed up mess yes <laughs> ah, that sounds like a good sermon title huh? <laughs> well two months ago we we took a break from our series on the gospel of john and we're, we're turning back to it today. And so we're, we're finding ourselves in, in part 13. And in your bulletin this morning, I've, I've gone ahead and put the, the text there. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to read it out. John 5, 1 through 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there who had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. When Jesus said to him, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. You know, I I, uh, heard a story about uh, two, two kids over in England. They lived in a neighborhood and there was an elderly guy that was one of their neighbors and he had fallen upon some, some hard times. He was, was, was facing some physical things that kept, kept him homebound. And he began to to stay in his home for for months at a time. And and he used to have this beautiful garden outside. So these, these kids in the neighborhood decided, hey, let's go try to take care of his garden for him. And so they started going over there and trimming hedges, pulling weeds. And one day they got around to the back of the house and they noticed this tennis court. Now, these kids had never seen tennis before. They didn't know what they didn't know how to play the game they didn't know what kind of equipment you use they 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 figured out though that there must be some kind of game because there was a net and there were some of these markings on the ground well the only thing they had was a soccer ball so they thought let's make our own game so they invented this game where you, you kick the ball over the net and then it'll it'll uh, if you can get it to land in the other person's square then you get a point or something like that so they kind of improvised and so for a few weeks they were working on the garden and then playing this game they made up. Then one day the guy's son showed up and he looked out the window and, and he saw them playing this crazy-looking game and he kind of chuckled. Then he grabbed some tennis rackets and some tennis balls and, and he walked out there. He said, you guys want to play the real thing? And they're like, what are you talking about? Tennis. This is a tennis court. You want to learn how to play tennis? And he proceeded to tighten up the net and, and began teaching them the, the much harder rules but much for more fulfilling game of tennis. I, I, I say that because I believe that, that that's kind of a picture of what we see going on with Jesus in this story. This, this paralytic, this paraplegic was, was hanging out at this pool. And he'd been there for 38 years. I'm 39. 38 years hanging out at this pool. And this pool was... It was held in reverence by both the the Jews and even the pagans. It was actually uh, dedicated to... uh, At one point, it was dedicated to a pagan god named Asclepius. Asclepius. Um, So the pagans and and many of the Jewish people in Jerusalem held this pool in high esteem. Actually, if, if you have an older translation of the Bible, it may even have a verse in there about an angel going down there to stir the waters up. Now... They have since uncovered older manuscripts, which are probably more accurate to, to, to what the story was. But I've read some Bible scholars who say the reason that later translators put that thing in about the angels was to explain what the belief was at the time. There was this belief by the Jews and the pagans that if you hang out at this pool, at the right time when you see the water moving, get in the water. First one in the pool gets healed. It was kind of a superstition. It was kind of this this idea. But see, superstitions, they don't ever really fulfill us, right? Do you know, does anybody in here, do you have a, a, maybe you know somebody, you don't have to admit to it. But does anybody have any saints game day superstitions? (laughs) Yeah, people, I I love hearing like WWL, they had a question one day, you know, tell us your game day superstitions, and some people have them for LSU, and some people have them for the Saints, but it it all goes back to one day, you had Wheaties for breakfast, and you put on this shirt, and you wore these shoes, and and you ran these errands, and, and you did these things, and they had this amazing win, and you think that somehow the football gods look down upon this thing, you stumbled across some kind of formula, and if you can repeat this every time, then then it'll guarantee a success. And so if the saints don't win, it's, it's not because one of the players dropped the ball or because uh, Bounty Gate or <laughs> it's. Yeah, you didn't appease the gods. You you didn't fall the, the, the form. You, you must have not got the right amount of Wheaties in the bowl. Uh, <laughs> something was off. That's, that's the way superstitions work, right? You 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 it's a formula. It's not a relationship, it's a formula. And, and there's always this, this nagging wonder, did I follow all the things right? Did I appease the gods? Did I do this thing just right? Formulas are kind of like that game the kids made up. You know, they're, they're playing something on a court that's meant to be a game, but it's not the real thing. Jesus comes up and says, hey, you want the real thing that this thing's pointing towards? You want the real deal healing? Jesus introduces this guy to something that's going to be much harder. You know, in, in reality, being healed after you've been a paraplegic for 38 years, it's going to be a harder road ahead of you, but it's going to be more fulfilling because God is wanting to bring him into the world that he's created him for, bring him into a whole new kind of reality that he was prepared for. This guy... When I read this story, the other day I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, it's such a picture of the grace of God. Such a picture of the grace of God. Now, there's stories in the Gospels where there are people who are seeking God, right? We're familiar with the disciples. They left everything to follow Jesus. Peter left his fishing. We're familiar with that. And that's kind of the way we like to think of things. Like, people follow God and He rewards them. This guy... He's not following God. I mean, I mean, he's not like desperately trying to go out there. Well, he, I mean, part of that is his circumstances. He, he couldn't. He's sitting there. He's got nothing to offer. It's interesting to me that this is this this passage opens with. Uh, it says Jesus went to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Jesus is in Jerusalem. There, the you were required to go to Jerusalem for a few of the festivals throughout the year. And these festivals like Passover or, or the Festival of First Fruits, they commemorated what God had done in their history. And so you would go to Jerusalem, but Jesus was a rabbi, a prophet. You would expect a rabbi or a prophet to be hanging out with people who wanted to, to be taught, right? Like, like Jesus would be at a religious festival, hanging out with people who wanted to know about that, doing seminars on Passover, yeah, stuff like that. But in the midst of this festival, when everybody's celebrating this thing, when all the religious people are, are, are it's just one of those holy weeks, Jesus is not among the holy, he's among the sick, the disabled. He's among the outcasts. He's, he's like in, in the last place in Jerusalem, many people would go during a festival. I, I was reading about a, a seminary uh, p- professor who had given a lecture on this passage. And he was a paraplegic himself. He says, you know, it's a hard thing to be a paraplegic nowadays. But it's a lot easier than it was back then. Because at least now you've got, you've got uh, wheelchairs, you've got access ramps, uh, you've got advocates in the government. You know, they're, they're trying to make things a little bit easier for you if, you, if you're in a wheelchair. The reality for this guy back then is he probably drug himself around. His hands were calloused and scraped up. The seminary professor, he said, there's another thing you need to know about paraplegics. A lot of times they, they lose control of their bodily functions. They, 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 they can't control that stuff. And, and, and nowadays there's certain things you can do to, to, to help with that. But you know, the reality is this guy probably stunk from bad hygiene, from, from losing control of himself. He was probably a mess, and yet he had to subsist on begging. You know, begging for alms from the passers-by. And you could see how that would probably you know, keep people away as well. Like, even people that might give him something probably wouldn't come near him. His existence was desperate and entrenched. Years and years of developing this identity. The, uh, of sitting there waiting, hoping maybe this superstition thing will pan out. And Jesus walks up to him. Another thing I've noticed about this is that, unlike a lot of Jesus' miracles, Jesus doesn't ask him to believe anything. He doesn't say, Do you believe I'm the Messiah? <laughs> I mean, we've seen parts where Jesus are, has done that in the Gospel of John. In this one, he doesn't teach the guy anything. He doesn't get the guy to, to, to give assent to any beliefs. He just says, you want to be healed. <laughs> what, a, what a picture of God's grace. It's offensive in a sense. And actually, in, the, in next week or the week after our party, we're going to look at how offensive It, it was offensive to the Pharisees. That, wh- why does this happen? And why does it happen on the Sabbath? Jesus has a way of showing us the grace of God. This guy had nothing going for him whatsoever except Jesus. And Jesus goes straight for the guy's heart. Now, I, I want to remind us of one thing here that, that's the, one of the, the core themes of the, of the gospel of John. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What does God look like? What, what is God's character like? What does the truth of God look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. That's one of the big things John's trying to say. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God acts like, look at Jesus. This guy's a picture of the grace, the unmerited favor of God. But I think what, what really strikes me In this passage is Jesus' question. Do you want to be healed? That's kind of an offensive question in a sense, like, duh, I've been here (laughs) at this pool for thirty eight years. You think I don't want to be healed? Well, do you? Do you want to be healed? In, in, in that moment, Jesus is beginning to break this, this, this man's attachment to superstition. He's beginning to, to show him something about God. That God's not some capricious deity that's out there that you've got to go through some kind of formula. He's inviting him into the real deal. He shows us the God who first loved us. John. The guy who writes the gospel is going to go on later to write that. (laughs) And another one. We love God. Why? Because we're so good at loving. We love God because we just have such capacity to. We're we're so good at that. No. We love God because he first loved us. Jesus shows him love before he can respond to Jesus at all. Another thing we see is that God won't violate a person's will. He asks him. Do you want to be healed? You don't have to be. We're not going to force healing on you. God doesn't force you. He doesn't coerce. We've, we've kind of seen that in this, this whole series we did on, on the fellowship of the king. The, God's power is not with a sword. It's not by forcing people into things. There's a choice. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to step away from that? But I think one of the biggest things that I I see in this question is it cuts to the core of this man's identity. Has anybody seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Great movie. There's a character in this movie named Brooks Halton, and he was an old man who'd spent 50 years in the penitentiary working in the library. And finally, after all those years, he gets set free from prison. But though he was set free from a physical prison, he was still imprisoned. He, he can't handle life on the outside. He can't handle that reality. And within just a short time, he commits suicide. Jesus is asking this guy, do you want to be healed? Sometimes... I think our afflictions, the things we suffer with, whether it's an addiction or whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's dysfunction in our relationships, sometimes we get so used to that. We, we're repulsed by it, but sometimes it, it just kind of, we, we've had it so long, it becomes our identity. That's just who I am. I'm this guy that sits next to the pool. It's my thing now. We've kind of given up hope. We're still going through the motions, but it, we've actually embraced it as our identity. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to step away from that reality? I find so often, particularly people who, who, who have who've been in the clutches of addiction, they, 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 they want out, but they don't really want to give up that identity. They want out, but they're not ready. Do you want to be healed? Because being healed is actually going to be a lot harder in some ways than the reality you've been living. When you begin walking with Jesus, walking out of this stuff, it's going to, 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 to be a whole different place. And you're going to have to learn a whole new way of life. Do you want it? Or are you comfortable with your own identity that you've created based on all this stuff for all these years? Do you want to be healed? I think that's the question that that God asked us this morning. Not necessarily in, in a physical sense, but do you want to be stuck in a reality that is defined by sin, by dysfunction, By addiction, do you want that? Or do you want a life defined by Jesus, his love, his life, and his freedom? He offers it to us. I found in my journey, I've got ample opportunities to embrace my old identity. I've got ample opportunities. I can always go back and embrace that identity. But I don't want to go back. This new identity is is scary. (laughs) Sometimes you don't know where it's going. Sometimes you'd like a little bit more clarity. (laughs) But I don't want to go back to being that guy. Jesus asks us, do you want... To be healed. Well we see. The answer. (laughs) This guy says yes. And his life does get kind of crazy. Shortly after. (laughs) Particularly with religious folks. He gets up. And he walks. I realize in this room. There's. I'm sure there's. All kinds of situations, bad things that you've gone through. And you can choose to hang on to to sickness. You can choose, I'm not talking just physical sickness, I'm talking about unforgiveness, bitterness. You can choose to hang on to those things and, and get settled in that identity. But Jesus asked, Do you want to be free from that? Do you want to walk away? Trust me with it. will don't you stand this morning? Lord, this morning we, we just sense your presence among us. We thank you that you were here, Lord. I just feel like this morning there 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 are some in here that are there, you're, you're struggling with kind of a superstitious belief in God, and Jesus wants to walk you out of that this morning. You, you you you're always wondering: Have you dotted enough I's and crossed enough T's? Have you followed the formula enough? And and Jesus just wants to tell you this morning: Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? It's not coming through all that. It comes by trust. By letting go. Even of your ideas of God, maybe. Oh, this morning, we want, we want your freedom, Lord. We want your healing. We want our lives not defined by addictions, by sins, by dysfunction. By unforgiveness, by bitterness. We don't want our lives defined by that God. When we hear your call, when well, this morning we want to get up and walk and follow you, when we say yes to you this morning, we say yes to you. the fountain, all who will sail the rivers of harmony, come to the sea. Come on, be saved.